1: The same God that delivers you out of suffering, that's the one you delight in, in the midst of prayer. So he's saying in the good times and the grueling times, in the seasons of despair, and the moments of delight, that's when you pray. Prayer is the answer.
0: Welcome to The Barnabas Effect with Paul Purvis, Senior Pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multi generational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit missionhill.org. That's missionhill.org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis.
1: This morning in the Psalms, I was reading five chapters of Psalms. In Psalms 17:6, it says, I will call upon you, for you will answer me, O God. Incline your ear to me. Hear my words. In Psalms 18:6, it says, In my distress. I called upon the Lord to my God. I cried for help from his temple. He heard my voice and my cry to him reached his ears. You can even use the letters in the word pray to remember what it means to pray. Think of those letters P R A Y. What do they stand for? The P it could stand for pray continually. James is going to tell us that prayer is something that should be continually on our lips. The R reminds us to request request courageously. James is going to let us know that we should pray in faith. That when we request things of God, we should believe that he is going to answer. That leads us to the letter A. We anticipate confidently. God is not human. He is no one to be looked at like us. He is the God of all that is. When we cry out to God, when we call out to Him, we should expect that He is going to answer for our good and for His glory. But we end the prayer. That letter Y reminds us that we yield confidently. We yield completely. We say to God, God, not my will, but Thy will be done. When should I do this? All the time. That was the words of Jesus that's the words of the Apostle Paul in First Thessalonians 5.17, pray without ceasing. And you're going to see that's the words of James. Whatever your life situation, pray. And he gives us four different examples. Let's dive right in. First, he says, prayer is the answer when you're suffering. Prayer is the answer when you're suffering. This is a word that is used to describe all different kinds of suffering. Every one of us have been through some kind of suffering, whether it's physical illness, mental or emotional illness, financial stress, job loss, relational tension. I could go on. I believe all of us have either just come out of a storm, we're in the midst of a storm, or we may not realize it, but we're headed into a storm. Suffering is a part of life. This is not new from James. In fact, James begins the book this way. James chapter 1, verses 2 and 3, he says, Brothers, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, suffering, testing times, it literally means, because the trying of your faith, it works patience. So James is once again telling us we need patience. It's not a surprise. Earlier in chapter 5, he mentions that word patience seven times. And now, in these verses, he's going to remind us to pray. Guess how many times? Seven times. You know what that teaches me? When you face times that try your patience, prayer is always the answer. We face those times of difficulty, those times of suffering. And James is saying, when you face those times, pray. Too often, prayer is our last resort when it should be. Our first response, when you find yourself in the midst of one of those times you don't understand, the first thing you should do is call out to God. God may deliver you from it. God may deliver you through it. He may just give you peace to let you know that he's with you. He's not going to leave you. He's not going to forsake you. But prayer is always the answer. Now, James goes on to tell us something that I think is also significant. When we're not in those seasons of suffering, sometimes life is good. In those moments, prayer is still the answer. Do you see what he says? He says, to anyone cheerful, let him sing praise. So you're going through one of those difficult times. You cry out to God in prayer. Oh, God, help me in the name of Jesus. But you're facing a good time. Life's okay right now. Everything's not falling apart. You better make sure you're praising God. You better make sure you're going to God in praise and prayer and thanking him for what he's done, praising him for who he is, because the same God that delivers you out of suffering, that's the one you delight in in the midst of prayer. So he's saying in the good times and the grueling times, in the seasons of despair and the moments of delight, that's when you pray. Prayer is the answer when you're suffering. But he continues. He says, prayer is also the answer when you're sick. Now, this is relevant, right? We can understand this. Look back at verses 14 and 15. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. In this passage, he uses three different words to describe sickness. One word is speaking to something that comes from the outside. So something has has come from the outside and and now you're overcome with sickness. Maybe like, I don't know, a virus, something that's viral that you could catch, maybe from another person or from something. Uh, Another word that he uses for sickness just simply means without strength. So that's what happens when we get sick, right? We we feel like we can't go on. You get tired, you get lethargic. And then the third word he uses describes a weariness of mind. So my sickness has come over me, and, and now I'm just I'm discouraged. I just want to lay in bed. And so it's clear James is talking about physical sickness. He's also talking about mental sickness or emotional sickness. And here he says, whenever a person is sick, prayer is the answer. And then he involves the church. So we begin to see that prayer is important personally, but prayer is also important corporately. Prayer should be a part of your everyday life, wherever you are, but prayer must be a part of the church when we come together. Now, how do the two meet? He says, when a person is sick, you should be the one to initiate going to the elders, the leaders, the pastors of the church and saying, will you pray for me? And he even gives an example. He says, ask them to anoint with oil. What does this mean? Sometimes we read things in Scripture and we think, what, oil? I mean, do we get some Crisco? I mean, what, what, is, what is James saying here? What do we do? Well, we look to Scripture There are two ways that anointing of oil is used in Scripture. If you look to Luke 10, you see the story of the Good Samaritan. What does Jesus say the Good Samaritan does when he comes upon? first thing he does is he anoints him with some oil. That's implying that there was oil that had medicinal purposes. There may be a time that you use medicine to help you. You don't come to me for your medicine, uh, from a pharmaceutical, you go to your physician. But there are some times when we're sick and we need medicines. I I have a a couple of chronic issues. I'm asking God to heal me from those issues. But until he does, I'm going to obey the doctors and I'm going to utilize medicine to help me with that sickness. But another way oil was used in scripture was to set apart, to consecrate. And so again and again and again in the Old Testament and the New, we see people anointed with oil for the purpose of being set apart for the spirits moving in their life. James could have been speaking to both of these purposes here when he says if anyone is sick, you you go to the elders and you ask them to anoint you with oil, to set you apart and say, Holy Spirit, would you so work in this moment, would you move in such a way that lives are changed for their good and your glory. Now, in our church, we encourage you to do this. In fact, this weekend, this Wednesday, we'll be having a house of prayer. And in this house of prayer, we'll be taking time specifically to pray for those who are sick. If you desire to be anointed with oil, we would be honored to honor the Scriptures and obey the Scriptures and do that for you on Wednesday evening. But I would think it would be somewhat wrong of us not to recognize that this is a strategic moment to obey this, pr- this passage. Our world is being savaged by an illness. And this particular weekend, even the president of our nation is one of the many who are sick. I want us to pause right now and just pray a prayer for healing. Yes, for our president and the first lady, all those impacted by this illness. Let's pray that God would rid our world of this virus and let's pray for healing even here in this place would you join me in prayer oh god you are the great physician you are the one who heals all medicine all other healing is an outflow of your will and certainly from your wisdom so god it's natural that we come to you when we're sick but it's also natural that we come to you on behalf of others and we do so right here, right now, this day, particularly praying for the President of the United States, praying for the First Lady, the many that we have heard that are well-known that have this disease, and the many, many others whose name only perhaps their family knows. God, we pray for healing from COVID-19 in the name of Jesus. And Heavenly Father, I ask you, through the power of the Holy Spirit, however you choose, would you rid this world of what has become like a modern-day plague? Would you take away this virus and the pain and the confusion, the deceit and the division that it seems to add to in this dark world? God, rid us of the coronavirus for your glory in the name of Jesus. God, we also recognize that there are many others battling illness. God, we hate cancer. We hate the impact of how it affects our world and our friends and our family. We pray for healing from cancer in the name of Jesus. God, I hate Alzheimer's and dementia. God, this deterioration of the brain has affected so many in such a difficult way. I pray for healing from this disease in the name of Jesus. And Lord, there are so many other things even impacting this room, whether it be heart disease or high blood pressure or diabetes. God, I pray in the name of Jesus for healing for your people, for your glory. And God, I thank you because we know that you are the great physician and you will do according to your will. And so we submit to that right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Prayer is the answer. In the midst of suffering, prayer is the answer in the midst of sickness. Before I give you the next answer that prayer gives us, I want to remind you of something. Don't waste your sickness. You're going through something today. You're in one of those categories or one I did not mention. Don't waste your sickness. Use this as an opportunity while you pray for healing, for God to receive glory in your life, for him to be honored through how you live out your life. Don't waste your sickness. But James goes on to tell us prayer is also the answer when you've sinned. Look at this next verse. It's very interesting. Verse 16, therefore, confess your sins to one another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. The Prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. There's that phrase, that continual phrase that we've been discussing. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it's working you want to live in power you want to experience the moving of God in your life you want to feel something you want to experience your faith don't just go to a concert don't just come to church or watch a television show pray because the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working why do we need to pray for healing when we sin sin doesn't break our relationship with God if we're Christ's followers, but sin does break our fellowship with God. Hi, I'm Paul Purvis, the lead pastor of Mission Hill Church right here in Tampa Bay. Thanks for taking the time to listen to today's The Barnabas Effect. It's a ministry intended to encourage, equip, and empower you. You may not know this, but this ministry is made possible because of the generosity of listeners like you. We continue with our message. Let me just remind you of a few things. Sin in this world ultimately is the cause of all sickness. Now just think about what I've said. Let me say it again in a different way. Original sin in our world caused all the sickness you see today make a case for that biblically. Okay. The Bible says that God created everything that was, and he said, man, this is good. He then created man and woman. He said, whoa, this is very good. And then he put those very good people in a good world that was perfect. And what did they do? They messed it up. (laughs) That's what we do. We mess things up, at least ever since great- granddaddy and great-grandma, Adam and Eve. We sin. And when they sinned, the Bible tells us that that's when these difficulties begin to come into the world that plague us. All sickness comes from that original sin. Not all sickness is the result of personal sin. We know that because Jesus came a person, upon a person that was blind, and, and the disciples even said to him, who sinned? Uh, This guy's mom or his dad? Jesus said, this is not because of a sin. Not at least a personal sin. But notice what scripture does teach. Some sickness is the result of personal sin. Now this is easy to understand. I grew up in South Carolina all around tobacco fields. Most of my friend's parents smoked. Now we live in a day where it's not disputed. It's scientific fact. Smoking of cigarettes will cause lung cancer. In fact, it's not here in the United States, but when you go to other countries, if you go through the airport, it's very funny because on the packages, the cartons of cigarettes that are being sold there in the duty-free shops, in big old letters, they have to put a warning that says, this will kill you. So there's some choices we can make that can cause sickness, right? I can choose to drink alcohol to the point of drunkness and get in my car. If I have an accident, I may take the life of another person. There are some sinful choices I can make that because sick, cause sickness and pain. The scripture even goes a little further. In a few moments, I'm going to invite you to come to the table of our Lord where we remember the death of Jesus. Paul, in challenging the church at Corinth to prepare themselves for the taking of the Lord's Supper, says this in 1 Corinthians 11, in verse 27. He says, whoever therefore eats the bread and drinks the cup in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body of the Lord. Let him then examine himself. And so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why, listen to this, that is why many of you are weak and ill and some have died. So sin can cause sickness in our life. So that's why James says, when you need healing from sin, you need to pray. What do we pray? We pray the prayer of confession. It's 1 John 1 verse 9. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Aren't you so grateful for that truth? If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just, forgiving of, us of our sins and cleansing us of all unrighteousness. Let the believers in Jesus Christ praise the Lord for that spiritual truth. So what is James talking about? Confessing our sins one to another. Does that mean like the Catholic church teaches that I need to go to the priest and the priest needs to forgive me? No. We believe the Bible teaches that Jesus becomes our high priest. That there's priesthood in every believer that you don't need to go to another person for their forgiveness of your sins. Confess means to be in agreement with. So what we're doing is we're going to another person and saying, I agree with you, this is wrong. And one reason this is important is because it takes the blanket that is covering our sin away. All of a sudden it's exposed. Do Do you know there's some kind of power in secret sin? Some of you that are here today, you're listening or you're watching today. You feel chained by sin. And the reason you feel chained is because it is secret sin. No one, perhaps not even your closest friend, even your spouse, knows that sin in your life. And it's locked you down. And confessing that with another person exposes it and it frees you. So yes, you confess to the Lord for forgiveness. You agree with another person so that you might walk in freedom. We were never intended to walk in isolation. We were intended to walk in the freedom of the Lord. So how do we confess? Let me give you a practical tip here. If it's a private sin, I would recommend private confession. So if you don't feel like this is a chain in your life that has burdened you, then start by just going to God. God, I know that I've failed you. This is a sin in my life. I receive your forgiveness that was made available because you died on the cross of Calvary. And I repent. I'm going to turn from this sin. Private confession. But if it's personal sin, if if you've sinned against another person, then you need that kind of personal confession. So I've gossiped against you or I've sinned against you. I've told a lie about you. I need to go to you and ask forgiveness. In fact, Jesus said, don't even come and pretend to worship. If you've got sin in your life against another person, if your relationship with another person is not right, go get that right before you come and worship God. We know that because he was saying before you come and bring anything to the altar. And what you would bring to the altar is your sacrifice of worship to God. So if there's personal sin, there should be personal confession. Now, if there's public sin, you've sinned in such a way that everybody knows it. There should be public confession. and While in our church, Sunday morning is not the time, there may be a time, maybe at one of our house of prayer, where you come and you say, hey, I feel like I have publicly sinned before the Lord. Everybody knows this. They're just gossiping about it. But I've uh, confessed, I've repented, and, and I need to confess this to the body. And God honors that kind of confession. But I need you to understand something. The most important prayer that we can pray concerning our sin is a prayer of salvation. This is a misunderstanding all around the world. There's this idea that no matter who I am, no matter what I've done, I can just cry out to God if I'm sick. I can cry out to God if I don't like my circumstances. I can pray about anything. And yet Scripture teaches that the only prayer that God hears of that sinful, unsaved person is the prayer of salvation. If you've never begun that relationship with Christ, the Bible says the first thing you've got to do is understand that you are a sinner and that sin has separated you from God. And it's not only keeping you from God's best right now, it's going to damn you to hell being separated from God forever if it's left undealt with. But God doesn't want that. That's why he sent Jesus, his only son. And Jesus died on the cross after living a a perfect life. And on the third day, he rose from the grave, demonstrating not only that he could take the punishment for our sin, but that he had the power to give you forgiveness and life. When you cry out to God, when you call out to God in that prayer of salvation, say, God, I know I'm a sinner. I I need to be saved. I, I need to be forgiven. He saves you. He comes into your life forgiving you of sin, giving you a fresh start, a new beginning.
0: You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement. But it can't be done without your financial support.